to Project Vox Populi, where the people speak their truth. Welcome to Project Vox Populi, where the people speak their truth. I'm your host, Mel Fabregas, and I want to thank you for joining me. Please visit VeritasRadio.com to listen to the entire episode. It's been a while since we conducted an interview for Vox Populi. It's not that often that someone with an important story is willing to talk. Sometimes they approach us, we conduct a pre-interview, and then the person disappears or is afraid to come forward. This has been the case with a few that we're still working on. Tonight, we will hear the story of a man who was never into anything that we may consider paranormal. He was not into UFOs or extraterrestrials. In fact, he will tell you himself he frowned upon anyone who discussed the topic. It wasn't until he went through his own experience, along with his family and multiple witnesses, that he changed his opinion on the subject. What you're about to hear will make you wonder, who does a hardworking single father go to for help after experiencing something he cannot share with anyone for fear of losing his job, his livelihood, but most importantly, his children. Luckily for him, he has found a top-notch and ethical investigator who is helping him put the pieces together so he can reconcile his experiences, his mission, his new abilities, and a very important message for humanity. Even though we requested some of his material to share with you, his case is still under investigation, and his investigator would prefer to fully conclude with the investigation before fully going public with the material. However, he has provided some images that he has allowed me to share with you. They're on our website, along with this interview. Tonight, we present the story of Eric Mitchell. Right now, on Vox Populi, the voice of the people. And welcome to Vox Populi, where the people speak their truth. And as you may have heard me say lately, the discussion of nuts and bolts when it comes to UFOs will now take a backseat. I'm interested in listening to those who have had an experience. And tonight, we have one of those. His name is Eric Mitchell. One of our listeners really compelled me to contact uh, Eric a few weeks ago. We spoke on the phone and I briefly became aware of his experience. But tonight, I want him to go from A to Z. And I want him to know, first of all, that there's absolutely no censorship. There's no judgment. There's absolutely nothing to worry about. So without further ado, let me introduce Eric Mitchell. Eric, welcome to Veritas and Vox Populi. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Right from the beginning, Give us some background of yourself so that the listeners can get a perspective of who you are. Well, I'm uh, definitely not one of those people that lived in a small town and uh, knew everybody their whole life. Uh, I moved around quite a bit. I was born in Providence, Rhode Island, East Providence, um, and moved around uh, pretty much every two months since then. <clears throat> uh, learned a lot. I uh, got a great worldview of things, or at least I thought I did. Um, lived in California, Arkansas, all over the country. And um, 
there's not too much to tell. I mean, there's a chapter after chapter, you know, how life goes. And, uh, you know, I ended up uh, marrying, I ended up adopting some children and uh, raising them as well as my own children. And um, that seemed to be more of a career to me than any career I've ever had. You know, it was really important for me to have a family. And uh, so uh, that's uh, pretty much where I've been. Uh, went through a divorce. Uh, times got hard. Um, became the single father. And um, I've been struggling with that ever since, but uh, happily for the most part. Um, I moved into a small apartment. I uh, was a homeowner. Um, but uh, my age, you know, I look a lot younger than what I am, or at least people tell me that. I, uh, you know, it was hard to lose everything and uh, uh, try to start back with it all. And uh, so we moved into a, a tiny apartment, not much room, uh, adjusted. <clears throat> things got uh, a little more happy than uh, what they were in the past, you know, getting used to things. And, uh, well, things started to get really weird, uh, very weird. And um, I, I would like to say that throughout my lifetime, if maybe twice someone brought up UFOs, uh, I wasn't having it. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. <laughs> You're nuts. Get some Prozac, get some help. If you need help from me, I'll, I'll be glad to give it to you. Um, no way was I ever going to believe something like that. Um, you know, of course, everybody sits around telling ghost stories at a campfire, but, uh, you know, you, you start throwing something even crazier than that. And it, it's just ridiculous. And that's the man I was. And uh, it's not the man that I am anymore, nor can be. <laughs> I, I've tried. It, you, you just can't reverse this kind of process. Um, <clears throat> because it, it affects you in ways that uh, most people couldn't possibly understand. You know, you have a death in the family. You, you, uh, you go through these phases of, what? I just saw him yesterday. He was fine. You know, these whole psychological phases that you go through are pretty much the same with a lot of additives when dealing with the situation. And uh, it was uh, July 28th, I believe it was a Sunday of uh, 2013. Um, there has been things in the past that I completely do not remember. I'm reminded by friends and family, but I personally uh, don't remember sightings um, that uh, my children and I witnessed. Uh, I don't know why uh, I don't remember. Uh, but I will take you to the first time that I do. <clears throat> I was, um, by the way, when you say that you moved every two months, did you mean that literally or figuratively? Uh, literally, literally. Um, my past is, I don't know. I try to dig it up. I've been lied to quite a bit about a lot of things. Uh, my mother had married a, uh, a man from the military. Um, now, I know there's a lot of people that love to draw conclusions and conspiracy theories, uh, but uh, he was in the military. Um, later on, after his birth, did find out that uh, he was involved with trading. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I lost you there. After, after what happened to him? Uh, he was murdered. He was in, murdered, uh, okay. Yes, in November um, of 1989. Um, I, I really don't know the details. You know, people speculate and tell me what happened. Um, I was there. I saw it happen. Um, but I, some people say it was part of the military, and other people say it was just a, a quarrel between two guys. Hey, by the way, if, if you could remove your hands from the keyboard, because yeah, I can see I hear the banging on the uh, microphone. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, yes. All right, Sorry, but sensitive thing these things are. 
Um, but yeah, we, we moved around a lot. My mother became quickly become a, a single mother. So we moved a lot, a better town, better economy, uh, this and that. It's really hard to do. Um, I've done it myself and, and I've got to say, you have to live it. You have to be completely dedicated to, um, to uh, raising a family. Uh oh, I lost you. All right. Sorry about that. If we have more of these, you're prepared to use your telephone in case uh, we have to? Yes, I am. As a matter of fact, I've only had a few interviews, and they've all been by phone and not Skype. I, I really have a lot of trouble with electronics. Okay. Um, Talking about okay. the murdered, uh, you murdered uh, stepfather? Is that what you said? Yes, he okay. was my uh, stepfather. Okay. Um, uh, he was murdered. Um, um, you know, my mother raised us, I guess, the best she could. And uh, we moved around quite a bit uh, just to try to, uh, I guess, sustain a, a decent um, lifestyle. And uh, it was hard for her and, and everybody else. But we, we, we grew up hard, but we grew up educated. And uh, we all uh, did great. I mean, uh, my brother, Harvard, Navy SEAL. Uh, now he's a uh, English professor. Uh, so, you know, we, we have a good, strong moral about ourselves. Um, a lot of that is going to get in the way. Uh, two hours is barely enough to uh, give the short version. Um, when you said we moved every two months, that sure. and your mother was married to a military man who was murdered. We don't want to conclude, uh, come to any conclusions without any evidence. But right. perhaps there are some connections here. Um. I don't know. That's all up to speculation, and, and that's one thing that uh, has been very dangerous to this entire subject. And I, I try to stay away from speculation as much as possible. Sure. Um, it, it really has. I mean, these kinds of things destroy people's lives, and um, speculation uh, to be a cherry on top is just a, a confusion to, to push things around. I mean, dis it, disinformation does a better, a good enough job by itself, I believe. Um, you know, it's, it's great to have a beer or two with a couple of buddies and say, what if this and what if that? But, um, you know, uh, with this investigation, and, and I did have a uh, paranormal investigator, and he's still a great friend of mine. We talk quite a bit, um, and he agreed to take this case, and uh, he did it to the letter. He did it nuts and bolts. He did a, a wonderful job, and um, he, he called me the great white buffalo, you know, this guy. Uh, said he's been studying this for over 40 years, you know, 25 years on the star team with MUFON. He jumped out when things got a little hairy and questionable. And uh, he's been doing it ever since uh, on his own. And um, Does he happen to be in Oregon? No, no, he's in Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky, okay. Right. He, uh, he uh, goes by Kentucky Truth Seeker on Skype. Um, I urge anybody that would uh, uh, come across this type of situation in their life to uh, contact him or someone like him because um, you, you find a bad investigator, you're going to shut down quick. You know, sure. this is an emotional uh, piece of baggage that I wouldn't guess uh, that I would put on my worst enemy. Uh, it's, it's worse than <clears throat> what one, one might be able to articulate uh, in words. <clears throat> so you were and, not into UFOs before. Oh, no. You probably no. ridiculed anybody who talked about it, as many experiences have uh, before they had their own experience. Absolutely. Take us to, to the time just before your experience. Did anything change before the experience? Uh, no. Uh, well, yes. Uh, I, I did have a near-death experience when I was 13 years old. I was hit in the head by a 22. 
and it hit my temple. It didn't go in too deep, but it was enough to cause, um, you know, uh, not any permanent damage, but it was enough to bleed me out to where, you know, I had passed away for over two minutes. Um, that experience is really long and hard to explain. Um, but I always coughed it up to, I was a dream. It was something else. It was this or that, you know, I was just always a practical guy. I never looked into the hairy kind of stuff. Um, but, um, one night I, I laid on the hood of my car and, uh, was having a lot of trouble, you know, um, flat tire, car trouble, paying bills. You know, when you're a single dad and you've got no family, it's all on you and you've got to make it work. You can't, uh, you can't not make it work. Um, so when you're stressed out like that, you hide in the bathroom or you, you go hide in your car. You just want some time by yourself. And I laid on the hood of my car and I had a cigarette, threw it down and, and I started praying. You know, I haven't prayed in years. You know, I, I do believe in God. I always have. Um, and, um, I started to get a feeling, you know, of, um, like a warm air coming around me. And I thought for a few moments that, wow, this is a miracle. You know, something's happening. I could literally feel something. And uh, before I know it, I felt a, a, like a tap on my forehead. And um, my eyes were still closed, but I was seeing a, a tunnel. And uh, it looked uh, organic at first, and then it just looked like it was made of some kind of light, and I was moving really fast. Um, and it kind of turned and swerved and uh, freaked me out. By the time I could move my and I jumped off the hood of my car. And, you know, people will call this uh, sleep paralysis or anything like that. But listen, guys, I was wide awake. And my imagination is not that damn vivid. Not at all. I mean, I saw this thing. Uh, I jumped off the hood of my car, and I ran inside. Um, there, uh, scared the heck out of me. Uh, I sat there most of the night thinking about it and going, you know, just trying to tell myself this is some type of imagination, something. You know, I've never done drugs in my life, and I plan on never touching them. You know, I don't like taking uh, prescription medication. Uh, you, you've got side effects for more side effects. you got to take more pills. It's going and going and going. I've seen the mess. I'm not going to be a part of it. Um, that night, I tried to rationalize what happened, and finally, I just had to let it go, watch a little TV, get my mind off of things. It's just whatever. Blow it off, just like the rest of us, do, you know. And uh, 4 o'clock that morning, I woke up. And I am a sleepwalker. Um, I always have been. And I woke up and I was standing a couple of feet outside my front door. Well, this is alarming because, first of all, I've never gone outside while I was sleepwalking. And second of all, I was fully dressed. I had a blue tank top. I had black slacks on and some Nike flip flops. Uh, my left shoulder was facing the door. And I lived on a dead end street, which was about 160 feet away from me at the dead end. Uh, there's 20 apartments, one story apartments. By the way, um, Eric, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm getting a lot of uh, feedback and your voice is cutting off a little bit. We, we're going to have to go with phone. Uh, do you remember where you were, where you left off? Uh, yes, yes. I was, okay. uh, I was standing outside of my door. Yeah. Um, my left shoulder was facing the door. Um, the end of the street was about 160 feet away. And uh, there's uh, 20 apartments and they're all in strips of four. Uh, laid facing each other and back to each other all the way to the end of the street. And uh, so it, it's a short street. Everybody knows everybody. But uh, at 4 a.m., nobody's out, and it's dark out. It's very dark, and uh, I'm 
looking, as I'm waking up, I'm looking at this bright light. And uh, I'm kind of confused for a minute. Now, what am I doing outside? What's going on? What is that construction over there? That was my first thought was construction because there's this big bright light at the end of the street. And there's just wood line, tree line right there. And um, I'm staring at it, you know, and I can feel... Uh, you know, my thoughts racing, like, what is this? You know, that can't be construction, um, you know, and, and you see something you don't understand, you start to rationalize very quickly. Um, I never really gave any thought into that until that moment, but, I mean, you really try to, uh, you've got to name it. <laughs> you really have to. So um, Human nature. As I, right, right. It really is. It's a strong part of it, and, you know, I never really gave any, you know, much thought into that, but... I'm looking at it, uh, and 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 I'm I'm thinking, you know, what in the world is that? Uh, what could it be? Um, I went inside. Uh, I looked at the clock. Um, you know, for once in this case, I actually did, and it was 4:18. And I, I was walking around. I was thinking about it, and uh, I, I probably checked 10 times. It was still there. It wasn't moving. It was completely still. Um, and. Uh, by the time it, it rolled around about 5 a.m., I came to the conclusion that this light is very bright. It's making me squint my eyes, but it's not reflecting off of anything. Um, yeah, I know that sounds really dumb on my part, but you, you really got to think, you know, I was sleepwalking. I ended up outside. Uh, my major concern was that, uh, you know, what if I get run over by a car or something in my sleep? But um, I had to peek out again. I had to look. And sure enough, I mean, there's trees right there. There's a building right there. There's a, a light pole. There's a, the ground. Um, now, we estimated that it was 160 feet away, 60 feet off the ground, and 30 feet in diameter. So this thing is huge, you know, and it's it's right in front of my face. But all I can see is this orange glowing light. Uh, it's almost as if it's, it's really hard to explain. But as you brought up before, Chris Bledsoe, my investigator, once I contacted him and, and, and started to describe these things and how they moved, he he said, hang up the phone, uh, look up Chris Bledsoe on YouTube, and then call me back and tell me what you think. And, and I was jarred by it. Um, I listened to what how he described things, and it, it, it knocked me down. I just couldn't believe it because, for me, I wanted this to be you know, a psychological problem, you know, maybe I'm going crazy, maybe I'm um, having delusions and things of that nature, but that's a little bit later on down the road. Uh, in my confusion throughout the day, you know, of course, life goes on, you have to go to work. I, I spent pretty much most of the day alone <clears throat> and uh, really thinking about it instead of what I was doing. And I think halfway through the day, it hit me, you know, like a ton of bricks. You know, I had witnessed ball lightning. That's what it was, ball lightning. And I'm kicking myself. I didn't have a camera. I didn't wake the kids up, you know. Uh, these things are so rare that, you know, if one sees one in a lifetime, it's like winning the lottery, you know. Uh, so I'm laughing at myself. I, I drive to the grocery store, pick up dinner, come home, you know, and do the family thing, and, and, and everything's just back to normal. You know, my life is not disturbed at all, even though I witnessed something incredible. Well, that night, Around 9.30, I came outside. I don't smoke in the house, um, so I went outside. And, um, you know, I'm just pacing along the front of my building there, and I'm looking up in that area going, wow, gosh, you know, <clears throat> that was amazing. <clears throat> Excuse me for the cough. But uh, 
uh, by the end of my cigarette, I saw something at the corner of my eye in the same general area. And I, I looked up really fast, and there it was. And it was there for about two seconds and then completely blipped out. And I mean, it's like someone turned the light bulb out. Um, but instead of, you know, going really fast, it kind of just slowly faded out. And then about 15 feet over to my right, it came right back on. And you can tell it was moving very slowly. Um, there was no noise at all. And it was blinking on and off. And it was moving the entire time. And it was making a circle completely around me. And once it got almost over my apartment and over my head, it flashed one more time at me and shot at an unbelievable speed over a cattle field nearby. So at this point, my legs are shaken. I cannot believe that this thing is is, is intelligently controlled or at least intelligent itself. Uh, I'm scared to death. I, I, I go right back inside. I sit down and I'm thinking, oh my God, okay, how am I going to rationalize? Is this some kind of uh, military vehicle? Uh, do we have that technology? I mean, you know, I'm just going through and, and you know, I'm scared to death. I don't, you know, what the heck? <laughs> this is a residential neighborhood, you know. It's not Area 51 fly zone here. Um, so at this point in time, I'm not thinking UFOs at all, you know, but I am definitely thinking some kind of military exercise. This cannot be, you know, how, how in the hell can we have that kind of technology? It's silent. It's It's... Uh, completely in control of the light itself. I mean, you can see the light stream off of it and almost like the object's being lazy and the light will just stream off of it and touch something, go out and touch something. But when it starts to move, it'll draw all the light back in and become a perfect perfect sphere again. So, you know, I'm just trying to analyze, I'm trying to think, and I'm freaking out at the same time because, you know, this is not something somebody sees every day. <clears throat> So most of the night I stay up um, um, just pretty much distraught about it. And uh, I, I truly just, I don't want to believe it happens. You know, and that's what we do. We just kind of push things away. If you see something unbelievable or hear something unbelievable like you're hearing now, uh, your your social conditioning kicks in and tells you, no, that, that, that just couldn't be possible. And uh, even though I witnessed it, and I think this is important to say, I witnessed it with my own two eyes. I didn't want to believe it. So how in the hell can I expect somebody else to? Uh, excluding maybe Chris Bledsoe and uh, a few other people. Well, um, the next day, um, my buddy Dan, he uh, he lived his door facing my door. Uh, you can throw a rock and hit his door. It's enough to park a couple of vehicles and walk in between his and my apartment. And we always meet each other. He smoked, I smoked. Um, he was uh, right Patterson Air Force Base for quite some time. And he had recently came home to his wife, who lived there as well. Um, he Just an Eddie Murphy-type personality, you know. And uh, I'm outside talking to him, talking about car trouble and bills and this and that. You know, he's a good friend, a good Christian. And he always had great advice. And he went inside and had him, he came back out and handed me a, a Bud Light. And I thanked him for it. He said, you know, this is going to calm you down. You'll be all right. You know, you've been through a lot in the past. You can get past this. It's just another thing, you know. And, and he was always sound. You know, he really uh, always had uh, a good morale about him. And uh, he had told me that Mama, I called his wife Mama because she's just uh, like a mother to me. And uh, she was always into her Bible and, and um, uh, things of that nature. And, uh, you know, I... I, I 
put the beer on the top of the car and I gave him a big man hug. I love you, buddy. Have a good night. And he went inside. He was really excited because his wife was making a special dinner for him. And uh, as I watched him walk inside, I had stepped back to uh, grab that, that beer that was on the hood of the car. And I was standing on my shoelace. Well, here's where things get a little hairy. <clears throat> I had stepped back, untied my shoe. So I go, oh, my God, what next? You know, <laughs> you ever have those days where, you know, even the little things bother you? Like, you know, what, what's going to happen now? So I kneel down and I'm tying my shoe. And I start to feel a, a slight vibration on the top of my head. And, you know, you know how you get the chills and sometimes your your shoulders twitch or something. And I thought that something like that was coming on. And within seconds, it was almost like a, um, a frequency, but also a vibration. Just hit me like a ton of bricks, like something just turned up the volume. Uh, I went back down onto my knees and I didn't know what was going on, but it hurt. It hurt like hell. And I looked up and about 30 feet above my head was this damn light, this object. I want to say light, I want to say object, but, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm really sure it's both. Um, This thing hit me so hard, the only thing I could push through my head was, oh, my God, I'm being killed. My nose started bleeding. My left ear started bleeding. The vibrations were worse and worse and worse. I felt them throughout my entire body, but centralized inside my head. Um, I threw up, but I couldn't feel myself throwing up. I just knew I was doing it. I was that engulfed with with this thing. You could have walked up and kicked me like a football and I wouldn't have felt darn thing, nothing. <clears throat> this thing let me go after maybe 15, 20 seconds. It felt like forever and it, it took off the opposite direction it did the night before. And I laid on the concrete for a while. I was weak, I was scared, and I was hurt extremely hurt uh, physically and probably, you know, in every way possible. I found my way into the bathroom and uh, I laid on the cold tile floor uh, that felt really, really good, you know, almost like being at a a frat party all night and, you know, drinking too much like a 21-year-old kid would. But that that cold floor felt great and I I quickly passed out. Um, I would say fall asleep, but it wasn't willing, you know, I just went out. Uh, next thing I know, it was around 5 a.m. I woke up on the, the bathroom floor, and I had blood and vomit all over me. I was weak, scared, shaking. I got into the tub, and I turned the uh, the water on, and I just laid there. You know, I had, you know, just a mess all over me of blood and, 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 and vomit. So I laid there for a while. Um, <clears throat> I got up after that and went into the kitchen to get something to drink. I felt dehydrated. And I was for uh, several weeks after that, uh, extremely dehydrated, nauseous. Um, I felt really terrible. But my thoughts were, okay, I've got to go to the emergency room to find out what's wrong with me. Um, Or I can just make a doctor's appointment and talk to my doctor and find out what's wrong or what happened. And then rationality kicked in. You know, what are you going to tell a doctor that this happened? There's no there's no way. Uh, you know, I'll end up in a padded room and my kids will end up in a a foster home for for having a crazy father. So I kicked around the idea quite a bit. Luckily, I was off that day because there's no way I could have made it through work. Um, But um, I quickly got onto the Internet. Uh, My brain just, boom, got to find answers. I got to know what this thing is. And the first thing I, I looked up was, um, you know, Area 51, because I have test flights of, uh, you know, SR-71, Blackbird, things of that nature. 
Uh, so that was the direction I wanted to head. And I, I looked into all this stuff and, uh, and the thought crossed my mind. Oh my God, what if this thing was a, a UFO? And, and I, I started laughing at myself. I'm going, Oh no, no. You know? And then I found things on YouTube where they're using, uh, psychotropic weapons, you know, with vibrations in them and, and things like that. So I thought for, for me, I was going the right direction. <clears throat> But for the time being, after dark, I wasn't going to step a foot outside, <clears throat> period. You know, I, I told my boss I'm not working evenings anymore. Um, you know, the, it, it really drastically changed my thinking. You know, instead of going out for a smoke at night, I would literally go into the bathroom and sit under the old uh, the fart fan, you know, and just blow smoke up into the fart fan because I was not going outside after dark. Well, Dan, my neighbor, and I are such close friends that um, he would constantly come over, tap on the door, say, hey, come outside, have a smoke, let's talk. And uh, for a week, I avoided him. And all that week, if I had any spare time, I got on the computer and I was looking for some type of answers. And I mean, this was driving me nuts. That's all I could think about. I mean, people would throw a full sentence at me and I'll go, huh? You know, because <laughs> I was just lost in that... Um, what is this type of uh, mode? Your reality uh, changed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you know, from there to here uh, is an entire five-hour radio show. Um, but um, I have changed a lot, uh, quite a bit. But my worldview was is just literally destroyed. And uh, I didn't even know it yet. <laughs> I was still in the shock, you know. Um, but I did, uh, in between constantly trying to figure out what that was and trying to find out who else has seen this type of thing and who has dealt with it. Um, I finally came across a, uh, a UFO investigator. So I just wanted to give him a call and say, Hey, you know, this is what I saw. This is what happened. You can call me crazy all you want, but I, I want to know if somebody else has seen this thing. Somebody had to, I mean, it's, it's big, it's, you know, come on. Uh, so I talked to him for a little bit. He asked me if I had some pictures and this and that. And I said, no, but you know, if I see it again, I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture. And, um, you know, that night Dan's, uh, he's texting me and he said, man, please come outside. I really have to talk to you. It's really important. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's from Wright Patterson Air Force Base. He spent a lot of time there. He was outside smoking and saw this thing too. So I've got to at least crack the door open and talk to him. So I hear a tap at the door and I crack the door open and, you know, I'm, I'm not even looking at his face. I'm looking over his head, you know, in the sky because it's after dark again. And uh, I said, well, well, hey, what's going on, buddy? Did you see something weird? He goes, no, no, no. He said, you know, mom is making me quit smoking. He said, man, I really need a cigarette. And I looked at him dead in the eye and shook my head. I said, Dan, gosh, you know, first of all, she's going to kick your butt for smoking. Second of all, she's going to kick my butt because she's going to know where that cigarette came from. You know, <laughs> we're both scared of mama, you know, a big black Southern woman that, uh, you know, she, she holds her ground. But uh, anyway, we talked for a little bit and finally I felt awkward. So I got within the door frame and kind of closed the door behind me and I'm having a cigarette with him. And, uh, you know, he's just telling me about uh, everyday life, you know, working construction instead of mil military and, and, you know, the changes that he's going through. And I look above his shoulder because I saw something, and of course, there it was. Um, it was pretty far off compared to most of the occasions that happened, but it was headed our way. You know, um, 
you know, it's so funny, these things, they'll, they'll float two to five miles an hour and they're silent. And, um, they're not flying. There's no way to describe, you can see an airplane fly, but even the movement itself, you could tell it's, it's just not flying aerodynamically. It's, it's, it's something else. Probably uh, electromagnetism. Uh, you know, there's, it could be so many different things. You know, I've heard a lot of stuff. Um, but it's, uh, it was headed toward us and, uh, Dan noticed that I was not paying attention to anything he was saying and, um, that I wasn't looking at him at all. So he, he looked over his shoulder and he said, good Lord, what the hell is that? And I said, I don't know. I've seen it several times, you know, and then at that point I wanted to tell him, you know, but I couldn't because it still sounded crazy. Um, so we sat down in the two chairs I had right by the front door and we watched it and it got pretty close. And, um, I got a little scared because what happened to me. So I got up and stood by the door and had my hand on the knob. Now something with this type of technology and I'm thinking I'm going to block it with a door, you know, it's just hilarious. But you know, at the time I felt safe with it. So that's the uh, steps of uh, precaution that I took. And Dan was just so surprised and scared himself because he's never seen anything like that. And we ended up sitting out there long after it left until about three in the morning. And then he started to tell me that he heard a lot of talk about, uh, you know, things you're not supposed to talk about in Wright Patterson Air Force Base. And one of which is UFOs. He said, Eric, I, I, I don't believe in them, but a lot of people do in the Air Force. There's been a lot of pilots and stuff that's seen them. And uh, he's trying to convince me it's a UFO. And I'm trying to say, no, Dan, it's something else. It's some kind of light phenomenon. You know, I'm just pushing this thing away full force, you know. He worked at Wright Patterson before he went to construction, correct? Right. He was in the Air Force. In the Air Force. What was his military perspective when he saw it? Um, at first, he was really confused. And after that, you know, he stayed confused for a while because he started going through things um, like military drones. Um, he's seen all types of those, but... You know, he started talking about how the light didn't reflect off of anything, and it looked like this thing was covered in like a um, uh, like a plasma type of stuff, you know, where um, maybe a shielding, I don't know. Um, but it seemed to be alive. It seemed to move around quite a bit and fluctuate. And uh, that, uh, he's, he's never even heard of that technology, much less any testing or, or, or anything like that. And by 3 a.m., he's telling me this has got to be what they talked about at Wright Field is UFOs. And um, so the next day, with his influence in mind, um, you know, I'm still got a half grin on my face thinking, oh, boy, UFOs. So I'm looking on, online, and I come across uh, uh, another gentleman that um, specializes in this kind of thing. He was on the uh, the star team for MUFON for 25 years until things got hairy. Um, he took off on his own. He's been doing it for uh, over 40 years now. And uh, I contacted him. And I was scared to death. I didn't want to give him the facts. I didn't want to tell him too much. You know, I didn't want uh, some strange man to, to call the police or, or the, uh, you know, the paddy wagon to pick me up and put me in a padded room. You know, you have these fears when you... Plus, you, ha you had children. You have children. So I'm, I'm right. sure you're concerned that if Child Protective Services hears about this, they may start to investigate. And was that a concern for you at one point? Sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all they have. You know, I can't uh, I can't risk that. I can't. Um, <clears throat> so we began to talk uh, pretty much. Uh, well, four hours was the first conversation. 
Um, but it, 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 it took a little while before I'd open up and, and try to start talking to him about this thing. But, um, we did, we began talking quite a bit about it and he was so easy to talk to. And he's done this so much that he's got it down to an amazing science. You know, he'll give you enough information, uh, for you not to completely lose it, but enough to where he knows that it's going to be hard enough to take in because he knows uh, that you have to take in quite a bit all at once, but not too much, you know, and he knew that line. And then somehow he knew that line for me almost every time we spoke. And uh, he didn't try to push any biased opinions on me. He didn't try to push his ideas on me. He more or less uh, validated what I was saying with other stories that I dealt with and and things of that nature. And to this day, you know, as much as I've learned, he still doesn't want to push any ideas on me. And I think that's the way to go because it really has been uh, people pushing ideas from day one when it comes to this subject. You know, everybody wants to be the one that has the answers. But, uh, you know, personally for me, uh, I can speak for myself. The only answers I have I'm, I'm comfortable with. Um, and, you know, that's the ones that I'll stick to. But... um uh, do I know what these things are? No, I do not. I don't know if they come from a different planet. I don't know if they're interdimensional. I don't know if they're uh, some type of, um, um, you know, um, angelic type of thing. Uh, I don't know. I know what I've seen. I've seen things that would tell me that uh, they, they're uh, maybe interdimensional. Um I've seen the sky open and one fly right into it and the sky close right behind it. Um, so, but they're, you know, as me and Bear, you know, his nickname's Bear, my investigator went on, um, the occurrences happened almost every single night. It wasn't just these four sightings I'm talking about. My neighbor started to notice. Dan's a loud man. You know, like I said, Eddie, Eddie Murphy type of person. And he starts saying, hey, no fear at all, UFOs, UFOs, you know, throwing that word around like it's no big deal. And, uh, you know, it really makes you think about how you're conditioned against it, that, you know, it's almost criminal to say that with your mouth. <laughs> um, but uh, luckily, I'm on the other side of that fence, you know, and uh, but more and more people started to show up in, in front of the yard. Um, you know, I, I tried to hide the situation from my kids, but, you know, they come out and say, hey, what time's dinner? And there's a, a giant orange orb floating there. Uh, now, tell me about that. When was the first time the, the children saw these objects? I think it was just me and Dan standing outside. Um, I really would have to ask them because it's all kind of, um, you know, clustered together. Um but I think it was just me and Dan standing outside observing an, an object when the kids had came out and they saw it too. Um, and oh my gosh, I mean, they every every night since um, computers and, and <clears throat> sensitive equipment tend to malfunction around me quite a bit. And I know that sounds like uh, you know I don't know, but you know, I'm having it studied, I'm having it looked at and, and documented and stuff like that. But uh, so I had to have my daughter use camera equipment and stuff like that to uh, to film, you know, everything. Um, and I think you're going to hear a lot of people and you probably already have before that you get that overwhelming feeling to walk outside like you have to, like something wants you to or you want to or or um, you're being drawn to go outside. So how about ninety nine point nine percent of them? 
<laughs> of the people I've talked to say the same thing. Something told me to go outside. It, it's, such, yeah. it's such a common denominator. Mm. Well, it definitely wouldn't surprise me at all. And I, I learned quite a bit um, because of, you know, the. it seemed like this thing was really interested in me. And, and you go to the why me thing, you know, uh, which later on I found out that that's, a, that's something a victim says. And I don't need to uh, ponder on it uh, too much. Um, you know, why me? Why is this thing attracted to me? So eventually I get home after work every day to a group of people, a lot of neighbors and a lot of people from the neighborhood down the street waiting to see the UFOs, waiting for me to come home. And when dark came, uh, they would show up, they'd come around. And uh, I didn't notice it at first, but my daughter had pointed up at a star and she goes, look at this thing. You know, and it's just a really, really bright star. I was like, wow, because I, I know my constellations. And this thing is bobbing up and down and then bobbing back and forth. And then it would flash so many different colors at once. It was just ridiculous. Now, mind you, these are not lights attached to an object. I mean, the entire object is flashing like a strobe light, changing colors every time it flashes. And I said, whoa, that is not a star. And I start looking around. And I'm not looking at this big orange object anymore. I'm looking at all these things that look like stars that are not. And they're moving across the sky, positioning themselves. I know what a satellite looks like. I know what the space station looks like. Um, even when I was a kid, I got a telescope, and I was just fascinated with, uh, you know, the stars. And so I learned all about that. You know, Sputnik uh, was an amazing thing. You know, 1,800 miles an hour just, you know, uh, circling the Earth. You know, just uh, spike a kid's imagination about something like that. So... I know what I'm looking at when I look at the stars. And these things were pretty much monitoring what was going on right here on the ground with this orange object. And after a while, it becomes obvious. They never come down. They always stay up there. They always reposition. They don't come too low. Um, and they're pretty much watching what's going on here. And that's my take on it. That's my speculation. But that's, uh, it seemed to be obvious to me, uh, you know, that's what was going on. So I don't want to draw any conclusions for anybody that might have any other idea of what, what that might have been about. Um, but it did. It, it kept coming back and back every night. Um, <clears throat> there's so many different, and in my case, it's uh, not completely finished yet. I have a, a doctor that worked with uh, Dr. Roger Lear that's going to fly up here and take a look at me as far as forensics and, and look at these things. But after this thing hit my head with this vibration and frequency... You know he passed uh, on, right? Right. Well, it, right. it caused some kind of medical damage. Uh, some people say implants. No, um, I'm saying that you, you know that Dr. Roger Lear passed away. Right, right. Uh, two weeks before the uh, Ozark um, that's right. conference with uh, yeah. Dolores Cannon. I, yep. I, I actually talked I talked to him, and I wanted to meet him up there. And uh, he said he was ill, but he was going to try. And, uh, well, he, he never made it. He passed away. But luckily, I did get to talk, have a good long talk with uh, Dolores Cannon. And she's a very uh, insightful, lovely woman, in which she passed away shortly after that as well. That's right. Uh, so, you know, I, I just felt like <laughs> terrible, like, oh, God, I hope that had nothing to do with me. I don't um, want to meet you in person. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe not, because there's been a lot more than that. Um, oh, gosh, where to start? Okay, with the, when this thing hit my head, uh, I realized something uh, very profound the next day. Uh, I would start to feel this rumble, this vibration, this frequency, and I would cringe. 
out of fear because I knew this thing was hitting me again with whatever it was. Um, to make a long story short, and yes, this is going to sound crazy. It has been documented, and it will be documented by doctors and surgeons and everybody I can get my hands on. Um, I was able to recreate something, you know, this vibration, this frequency. Um, a lot of people tell me, well, it's an implant. That's what it is. It's how you're able to do this. Um, but I've played with it a little bit. And um, one day my daughter came home with a stethoscope because she was going to college. And it was mainly a nursing school, and she had a stethoscope. And the night before I asked her, I said, put your ear in my head and see if you hear something. So I went ahead and admitted the uh, the, uh, the the sound. And she heard something. So the next day, of course, a uh, $50 stethoscope came home. Okay, she wants to check this out. At first, it began to go every direction, just every direction out of my head. And later on, I learned how to focus this vibration and frequency. You hear a lot about that in the um, um, the New Age arena where there's, you know, live on love and light and frequencies and this and that. Uh, but, you know, for me, I was scared. I thought maybe I had a brain tumor. Um, <clears throat> something was wrong, but I still didn't want to go tell a doctor that, you know, this is what happened to me. What's wrong with me? Um, so, you know, later on down the road, I've got the, uh, the Kunahunas to go to a recording guy and, and talk to him about it. And, uh, I asked him if he could pick up something that was, uh, maybe twice as loud as a heartbeat, let's say. And he said, yes. So I had him come over to my apartment, and he had me unplug the refrigerator, turn off the ceiling fans, anything that would make any kind of background noise. And he put the equipment toward my heart, and I grabbed his hand, and I put it on my forehead. Well, this guy looks at me like, oh, my God, this guy's schizophrenic, and he wants me to record his brain. <clears throat> so, you know, I, I scared him with that. And um, he went ahead and, and got nervous and said, well, you know, I'll check this when I, I get back and I'll look on my computer and see if we picked up anything. Um, so uh, about an hour later, he calls me back. He said, well, you're not going to believe this, but I've got something and it's loud and clear and it's obviously coming from you. And I said, well, yeah, yes, it is. So we got it on uh, uh, a CD and uh, later on um, we were sent to uh, Nashville into a professional recording studio where they had uh, um, put microphone equipment on my forehead and, and things of that nature, and we played with it. And you could actually see the vid video of, you know, um, you know how you have the, the sound on video where it would fluctuate. See the waves, thing. sure. Yeah, yeah, it scared the hell out of the guy that owned the uh, uh, recording studio, but the wife of him was a uh, an experiencer, so she had her... Uh, laughs and enjoyment out of that. Um, he he pretty much said, "Okay, I only got 20 minutes, uh, and I got a gig down the street, and that's all I could do for you. Sorry." And uh, you know, he's a skeptic. Just blow it off. Uh, well, four hours later, we're eating pizza that he bought, and he wants to know everything, you know. But uh, so we did that, and yes, to this day, uh, we've done experiments. Well, I'll put like a, a bowl of water on my head and and vibrate the water. Um, the sound. What does it sound like? Well, it depends on what you want to hear. Um, the, seven, the 741 hertz seems to be really easy for me. Um, it, it, it doesn't take any pressure or strength to do so. It's almost like flexing a muscle, but not. It's almost like you turn something on. But um, 
we've played with uh, a lot of different frequencies, what I can perceive and what I can't perceive. Um, it turns out that the human ear can only perceive a certain spectrum, mm-hmm. whereas I was, I was able to uh, pick up things like a dog whistle or, or something like that. What I really wanted to do was look into, uh, well, the first thing, of course, I wanted to rule out schizophrenia. You know, there's none of my family and, you know, I don't want to be the first. Uh, that's a scary thing, you know. But when other people can hear something coming from your head, it, you know, it makes them schizophrenia too, so you're okay. Do animals, do animals around you perceive it? If you say, you know, there's a dog there, let me try this, and they all of a sudden, they make a move? Yes, yes. Yeah, we did that at the zoo. <laughs> we did do that. Um, <laughs> a perfect place to problem. test it. Right, right. But, you know, the problem is, the only way you're going to, you know, have a sound like that is, is really tinnitus. You know, this is where you damage the bottom portion of your brain that perceives the vibrations that come through your ears. I have tinnitus, or I had until recently tinnitus, yes. So, right, you've done a little research then, possibly, and and found out that, you know, how the whole mechanism works. And it's just hearing damage. Um, And your brain doesn't know what to do with that damage, so it creates the sound itself. And, uh, you know, um, you hear it, but nobody else does, of course. Thank you. Aspartame, by the way, that was caused by aspartame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so uh, there's actually a 1-800 number you can call for, uh, um, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the United Tinnitus Foundation, I believe it's called. And uh, I asked them a bunch of questions. I wanted to uh, talk to several different people. And, of course, I got blown off quite a bit. You know, there's no way this is happening. You know, um, I went and talked to uh, my kid's uh, doctor, and uh, I'd known him for 12, 15 years. And uh, that that was the cool part because I started to get a little bit of confidence. You don't have any confidence when you, when you could do something like this. You know, you're a freak show. So, you know, I go in and, and you know, getting the kids checked up on and he uh, I said, Doc, you know, you, you got to look at this and tell me what you think. Because he did his thesis on the brain, you know, and, and I know after doing all the studying that I did that the brain has no mechanism in which to create a sound other than, you know, maybe uh, an occasional heartbeat with a blood pressure spike or, you know, something like that. So what he did is he, he, you know, he said, okay, you know, and I let him do it. And, and he had a look on his face, like, what what are you trying to do? But, um, you know, I, I put it on a low frequency and, uh, it's similar to what you're going to hear rumbling in the background when you're uh, watching a horror film. And now, you know, what I've studied about these frequencies is they, they put your, uh, you know, certain parts of your brain into a fear factor to where it gives, um, the movie more feel, uh, puts you more into it, you know, with, uh, with that. But, uh, you know, for me, it's just easier to, to do a low, low, um, you know, higher pitches is, is much more difficult. But uh, anyway, he uh, he put the stethoscope up there. I did it. And he goes, yeah, I hear your heartbeat. And uh, my daughter looks at me and she grins. She goes, Dad, change the frequency. So I changed it. And he backed up. I mean, immediately just backed up. He put his hand on the counter behind him. And you could see the blood rush up his neck into his face. And uh, he just he couldn't believe what, what he had witnessed. So uh, that was uh, that was something that told me right there that this man's been a doctor for 30 years. He owns his own practice. And uh, he was clueless about it. Um, but, uh, you know, I didn't want to go back and, and really talk to him. But, <laughs> you know. It, what was his diagnosis? Why was his diagnosis, I mean, being oh, a no, medical doctor? No, that's impossible. 
that's the diagnosis I've gotten from any MD I've talked to about it. That's impossible. You know, those two wonderful words. You can't do it. That's not, you know, can't be done. Uh, so I'll be working with uh, Steve Colburn here pretty soon that uh, worked for Dr. Roger Leary. He's very interested. I know Steve very well. Yeah. Oh, you do? Cool. I, do, I, I, I do. don't. I don't know. I, I just talked to him briefly, told him there were some things that he might be interested in looking at, and he said he'd be happy to. So I'm very excited. And, uh, you know, to be an MD and to um, actually, you know, study some things like this, uh, like uh, telekinesis and uh, things of that nature, um, I think he'll be very, very impressed and hopefully um, document uh, on paper what, what he had personally witnessed because um, that's what my, my entire case is waiting on. Um, to, to really... Is this something that you noticed after the, let's call them the event or events? Or have you noticed something strange before where you could actually, you know, with your mind, perhaps, uh, you know, make certain thoughts manifest into sound waves? If I ever, if I ever did, I probably would have walked away, just away, shaking my head and quickly forgot about it. Just, you know, uh, I, I was skeptical about so many things, you know, not just UFOs, uh, psychic ability, telekinesis. I mean, you know, it's all ridiculous stuff. Well, when we look back at, so, you know, not, 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 not to digress, but when we look at the ancient ones before, before pre-flood times, I'm told that there was no language, no hieroglyphs, no littering before the, that time, almost like if language did not exist. I wonder if people communicated with their brains telepathically. Well, um, I've learned some things. Uh, and, that, you know, I, I feared this. I really did, Amel. I feared it to, uh, to bounce around too much uh, to where I might get lost a little bit. Um, but as things went on, um, you know, more and more people started showing up to watch these lights. I would involuntarily have these uh, vibrations go on inside my mind. And it was hard. I would just try to shake it off. Like, wait a minute, I'm not controlling this. And later on found out that these, um, these things were actually controlling it themselves. And there is a certain frequency that you hit. Um, and if it's in the room, it's going to set my head off. It will do it. And, um, uh, you know, I began to uh, try to experiment and look at the object and, and do certain frequencies, and it would do it right back with me. Now, this is, you know, here we go down the rabbit hole. Now, I assure you, this is very real um, and hard to deal with. Um, you know, like I said, you know, being like an amputee, uh, it's amazing what you can get used to. Life goes on. The next day, bills have to be paid. You can't put your life on hold for anything. And um, it became a very, very spiritual situation because not only did I not realize <clears throat> or pay attention to my feelings at the time, I quickly understood that I was feeling these emotions and it was coming from that direction. And the closer it got, the more I understood. This thing was like a, a scared deer. It would come close enough and do what it had to do and then it would take off. And eventually it got to the point where I'd stick my knees in the grass and have this thing hover over my head with the uh, vibrations going back and forth. And I'd literally have tears rolling down my face because I've never felt that much love in my life. And I have never known spirituality to, to be that in depth. Uh, there's no better word than spirituality, but it's, 
it's amazing. Now, a lot of people can say, well, that's contributed to imagination or you think you're feeling these things. No, um, you feel them. There is no need for speech. There is none. Because uh, you feel it and it feels you. You know, one thing I learned about quantum entanglement intrigued the heck out of me because two things were experiencing each other at the same time at a distance. Well, you know, Einstein had a problem with that. <laughs> it just didn't fall into his, his... So, you know, he tried for a long time to debunk this thing, but it is actually real. And <clears throat> I was very much connected to this thing. And as dirty as I felt when it was, it was, you know, just really bad because I had to look at myself. You know, I had to feel the real me. And these things aren't looking at your Nike shoes and your polo shirts. These things see everything about you, you know, whether it's uh, through their eyeballs or um, with their hearts. They, there's nothing you can hide. And, and when you're connected emotionally to it, you feel it and it feels you and you feel it perceiving you. So you feel really bad at the same time, if that makes any sense. Um, so you really did hit the nail on the head with that because it was a communication. But, uh, you know, I run across people that have, uh, you know, telepathic experiences. Uh, my daughter has had them with these uh, beings, but I never have. And I believe the lesson for me was just that, you know, concentrate on the frequency, the vibration, study sound, and make sure that you feel everything around you. And uh, when I started practicing that, when I started to do it, it was almost as if, you know, I keep having to remind myself to think that way and to feel that way, going into the grocery store, washing my car, saying hello to a neighbor. Um, but I, I don't know exactly when it happened, but when it did, it was just almost second nature, like it took itself over, you know, like it was a part of me and that was that. I didn't have to try anymore, which sounds wonderful and great. Oh my gosh, we got ourselves a psychic on our hands. Well, I got to say, Mel, it was hell. Because you, you walk into a, a Walmart and you literally feel everybody in the room yep. and it's disgusting. Mm -hmm. It is disgusting. And, uh, you know, for the first time, you know, it's terrible. You, like everything else, you get used to it. Um, and, you know, for the most part, you want to be emotionally closed off from everything. Uh, well, I don't mean to. Again, I mentioned that about the ancient ones probably using telepathy as their language. But I think of the animal kingdom that we... We mock all the time. All those animals, they have no feelings, no soul. They don't perceive the same way that we do. They're not that sentient. But when you see two dogs not barking to each other, but they more or less you can tell that there's communication going. Or you see, you know, 2,000 birds flying and on a dime they turn at the same time. Or fish. It's almost as if they know they're connected with each other and they don't need to, to, to use a language in order to talk. It's almost like their mind is connected. But we are led to believe when we're born that we need to learn the ABCs and we need to learn all the numbers and that limits us. And then we have the hundreds or not thousands of languages and cultures that keep us separate all the time. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, look at the Earth's Earth axis and the North Pole and the South Pole, and you have the equinox and everything like that. Well, these birds all of a sudden have an electrical impulse inside their brain that forced them to fly south for the winter for their own survival. And they do it in perfect unison. You know, it's it's amazing. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally the same thing. And, you know, I use that analogy when people don't understand what I'm talking about. 
Uh, say you go over a friend's house. There's two Labrador retrievers, same color, same size. You can't tell them apart. And one of them throws his legs up and, and starts to lick his butt. And the other one wants to play Frisbee with you. You know, he wants you to pet him. He wants to play. And this dog made such an impression on you. On your drive home, you're not thinking about the dog licking his butt, but you're thinking fondly with your eyes squinting, building those wonderful crow's feet, you know, in the corners of your eyes, thinking about this uh, this animal that you bonded with and you have not exchanged one single word with. You know, and if that's how in-depth that humanity can be, then we're all in trouble. We are. We're we're screwed because that's exactly what the system robs from us. You know, the system that's built around us, it robs us of, uh, you know, we all think we're free thinkers and we think on our own. But um, when the veil was lifted from my eyes and I, I talked to so many people that are awake and, you know, I'm fully aware that, that they are dreaming to be awake. Uh, they're falling into a dogmatic idea that has no foundation and without a foundation, you know, uh, we all know what happens. Um, you know, I talk to these conscious people. You know, I really want to get this point across. There's a lot of cool things that, you know, I could talk about, uh, you know, with these objects and what they're capable of and what I've seen them do. But the most important part for me, I think, was one day, I, you know, I, I got up in the morning and I opened up the curtains and I looked outside. And when your your worldview is destroyed, everything starts to look a little bit different. Now, I'm sure everybody is different and they take a different path and they have to have, quote unquote, a biased opinion about this thing or that. And when I looked around outside, what I saw, everything outside of nature was made in worship for the dollar bill. And it killed me. It hit me all at once. You know, that day I took my kids to get their hair cut and I sat on a little couch in the hallway and made faces at my son as he got his hair cut. And I'm watching people walk by and they're talking about football is the greatest thing in the world. Honey Boo Boo is the greatest thing in the world. And this is the high point of their entire lives. <laughs> this is the peak of humanity, my friends. And it just destroyed my heart because I could not believe I was looking around and I was pulled out of this matrix and I'm looking around, looking at everything a completely different way. And, uh, you know, that's what makes you think. Or that's what makes you not want to think anymore. You know, a lot of people are going to turn and hide and, and put their head under this blanket that we live in. But it's basically a prison. And uh, it's terrible. And the way I think now is is absurd. It's, it's extremely absurd. You know, you talk about the ABCs. You know, it's very important that you have to learn this language. Well, why the hell do we have uh, a nose that runs and feet that smell? You know, I think we screwed up. But um, it goes down to, you know, my best thoughts about it is when you have these biased opinions and you have these um, mechanical reactive behaviors that are built into you that you're unaware of, but you react to them all the time. You know, you're a miserable cashier and you have to tell every person in line that you're fine. How are you today? I'm fine. No, your husband just broke up with you. You're, you're pregnant with uh, quintuplets. You can't afford it. You know, you're having a bad day, you know. <laughs> but no, everybody's fine. Uh, maybe a bad analogy, but uh, so you have you have this mechanical reactive behavior that you're you're supposed to react this way all the time. Therefore, you do. Uh, you have your social conditioning, which is uh, you're shrouded in it. It is literally the identity that you think you give yourself, but is given to you through society. You're a human being. You can lose all these things, your your biased opinions, your mechanical reactive behaviors, 
uh, it's like January 1st. You told yourself last night while you were drunk that you were going to be on this diet and you're going to stay on this diet. Well, it's the same thing, but you have to practice with it. You have to play with it, and you have to find out what works for you. But when you start to lose these things, then you start to lose the little box that you used to live in and think in, and you start to literally see things the way they are. And, and you know, the profound things that come out of your mouth that nobody can respond to is uh, more than amusing, I, uh, to say the least. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it gets pretty uh, pretty intense and pretty deep, you know, and you, you have to somehow fit into this world and you have to go to work every day and you have to pay bills, but you also have to remind yourself of, of two different worlds, one where you're able to think for yourself and another where everyone else seems to be asleep and you have to fit in somehow. So no longer am I trying to fit into a world uh, because I'm not good enough. The TV tells me I have to have this type of phone. I have to be thin. I have to be fit. I have to be attractive. I have to be all these things. Now I'm just telling myself, okay, I got to pretend one more day uh, to, to ride alongside these guys. And, um, I know how that can sound. I, I know that can sound very, uh, arrogant or, or, uh, many, many other things, but I, I really don't want to put it off that way. What this is, is, is very hard to deal with, you know, on a day to day basis, it's very, very hard to deal with. You're disconnected from so many people all the time. Um, you're not able to really express yourself and your full self because nobody's going to understand what the heck you're talking about. Or maybe call you a conspiracy theorist or uh, a nut job or, or what have you. Don't ever question the system or conditioning because, you know, that's how this UFO whole thing is covered up because we're living in a conditioned self that we believe we created for ourselves. So we're going to protect that with all of our hearts, all of our minds. We're going to protect that. So how do you crack somebody wide open? Well, the thing is you can't. You just can't do it. You can't do that for them. Uh, but you can always say that they can do it for themselves. And, um, you know, it's liberating. It's painful but liberating. And um, uh, I, even though it hurts every day, I, I, uh, I'd rather see things for what they are than what I'm told that they are. That makes any sense. Did your children? Well, obviously, you're telling me that they have witnessed these objects. Oh, yes, several, several occasions. Yes, uh, shadow figures, orbs in the home, um, high strangeness where electronics just go crazy. Um, my uh, the first thing my investigator did was uh, got a drone specialist. Uh, AKA, of course, but uh, she studies the heck out of these things, where they're at, where they're flying, what types they are, how do they work. And um, that was the first thing we needed to wipe out out of the way. So she showed up. She's got four different cameras, a tripod, and ready to do interviews for people in the neighborhood and myself and my children. Well, right off the bat, she turns the camera on, she puts it on me, and it goes completely dead. My TV turns itself on, goes off, radio goes on, goes off. Lights, light bulbs start flickering. She puts another one on. Uh, she's getting nervous. And um, while this is happening, um, her father is, uh, I think, about a 30-minute drive away where they had lived at the time, was walking into Walmart. And someone sped up to 30, between they estimated 30 to 35 miles an hour and plowed her father. His entire left side was crushed, every bone on his left side. And uh, he's still doing physical therapy for it to this day. Um, that is one of the third hit and runs uh, 
you know, involved in this case. Now, coincidence? Well, I, I'd definitely love to think so. But as we move further on, uh, you think maybe not. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> Christy, uh, she was one of the witnesses. She got ran off the road by a black SUV and went head on into a uh, an oak tree. Uh, the bag did deploy. She was safe. Um, she did have a bad concussion, but did not know who ran her off the road. Now we go to my investigator uh, a month ago. He was stopped at a red light, and there was a highway traffic, you know, going in front of him, and he was waiting to cross the highway traffic. Someone swerved into the street that he was on. You know, he, he's on a suburban road, and this is a highway. This guy swerves, T-bones him, doesn't even hit the brakes, backs up, goes around the vehicle, and drives away, uh, crushing his knee, uh, putting both his femurs into his hip, uh, put him in really, really bad shape. Now, is this a hit and run? You know, are these three all the, you know, coincidences? Well, maybe because, you know, we don't have the proof. We don't have these people's names. None of them got caught. But it seems that I, I've never seen a hit and run in my whole life. And now all of a sudden, three major people that were involved uh, are, uh, you know, uh, crushed by a vehicle. Um I don't know, but I have my own personal opinion, and I think, uh, you know, something's going on. Um, what is your opinion? And I know you don't like to speculate, and nor do I. At the same time, you've never witnessed a hit and run before, and all of a sudden, in less than a, a month, you see probably three happening at the same time. Thank you for listening to the first hour of this Vox Populi interview. To listen to the rest, join me in the member section, or go to veritasradio.com and subscribe. You don't want to miss the rest. Thank you.